Brethren, about, about 40 years ago, as I worked for a national adjusting firm, a firm that handled claims for insurance companies, I really had a, a, a real desire, a deep desire, to, to be in business for myself. I wanted to practice my profession on my own. I'd thought about it. I'd planned it. I'd rolled it over in my mind many, many times. Once I was working on a serious fire loss, big uh, dwelling that uh, had burned, and not a total loss, but had been gutted by fire, and I was dealing with the owner. Uh, this man owned many houses and apartments and some other businesses. He was a wealthy man. Uh, he was self-made at a relatively young age. And we spent considerable time determining the scope of damage and the repair procedures, working out all the details, figuring out the cost, and getting everything agreed upon. And when we finished our work and we reached agreement uh, on what his loss was, I took the opportunity to ask him a question. I said, I admire what you've done and what you've accomplished. And uh, I told him uh, about what I wanted to do. And I asked him, what do you think about my idea of going into business for myself? And I solicited his input. Uh, his advice, because you see, he had succeeded. He considered my question for a moment, and then he gave me an answer I really didn't expect. He really caught me off guard. He didn't talk to me about revenues or expenses or the credit or marketing or other business details at all. That's not what he said. He said, I have one question for you. How's your home life? He said, are you happy in your marriage? Do you get along and have things at order in your household? Are things under control at home? Seeing my surprise at his answer, he explained, you know, a person can deal with the problems and difficulties and stress that go with running a business if he has peace and tranquility at home. Having a place where he is loved and respected prepares him to face whatever difficulty he finds in the marketplace. Well, brethren, that was very wise advice. I gave it a lot of thought, and I put my plans on hold. I didn't proceed until I had accomplished that situation in my life, and later I was able to, to do that. Brethren, wise counsel is priceless. Sage advice that is followed will help you avoid problems. And if you find yourself in difficulty, crisis, or confusion, and that does happen, it can help you solve your problems. Now, the Bible has much to say about seeking and following wise counsel, and that's the subject of the message today. I've entitled my sermon today, Seek and Follow Wise Counsel. Now, I mentioned problems. What kind of problems? And from whence do they come? As human beings, we know problems do occur. How can we avoid them? How can we overcome them? How can we extricate ourselves from them? You know, sometimes it seems like we're in quicksand, you see. It, it, it just doesn't seem to be a way out. Well, brethren, there's no one easy answer. Life's not like that. It can be a little complicated. Let's look at some of the sources of the problems that we have as human beings and as God's people. And let's look at one of the most valuable tools that God has given us to deal with problems effectively. Now, what are the source of our problems? Many sources. Let's look at some of them. Sometimes our religious beliefs and practices can bring trials. Some of you have experienced that. Turn over to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. 
Psalm 34, Psalm of David. Let's see what David experienced and what he wrote for us. Psalm 34, verse 19. He wrote long ago, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? It seems that there are afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. So we can look to God for deliverance. And certainly uh, you uh, may not be openly persecuted, but at times certainly there does seem to be that going on. Drop down to verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. So as we see this, reading these, in verse 19 it said, The Lord delivers. And in verse 22, it says that none would be condemned. I think we can take real uh, encouragement from that, realizing that God does hear our prayers. He is concerned. He does know what's going on. And we'll look at some scriptures that talk about that today. So it says that there are many, not a few. So we shouldn't be surprised when afflictions or problems come our way. Now let's turn over to the New Testament. Turn over to 2 Timothy. Here we have young Timothy being mentored and taught by the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we see a facet of this in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. Let's start in verse 11. Actually verse 10. Let's and get the context. 2 Timothy 3 verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul, as you know, had a a difficult time, and yet God delivered him out of that. And then verse 12 that I want to focus on, Paul said to Timothy, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Nobody's excluded. Everyone will do that. Now, for most of us now, at this moment, we're not experiencing that, although some of you may have it in your home or where you work or where you go to school. You may, you may run into some persecution, probably typically in a mild way today. In parts of the world today, it's very dangerous to be a Christian. And we may come to a time where we face that even here because it says that all, who desire to live godly in Christ, will suffer persecution. So sometimes our problems come because of our religious beliefs. Now sometimes problems come because of a lack of expertise, a lack of education or experience. You know, we, we don't start out knowing the things that we need to know. And just because of lack of knowledge, we can get into trouble. Turn over to Proverbs 7. We'll spend some time in Proverbs today because it is a source of wisdom and practical things that we can do in our lives to bring happiness. Proverbs chapter 7. Now here, wisdom is personified. Wisdom is being referred to here like a person. And it's talking uh, about wisdom is, is teaching, and it, it's talking about um, uh, being morally uh, pure, And we pick up the story here in verse 6 where it says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, 
Now, this would be simple, someone who's naive, someone who's not sophisticated, someone who doesn't know all that they, they need to know. I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, you see, young people, a young man devoid of understanding. So here we have a young person, simple in the sense that just not exposed to a lot of things, a lot of things that this person doesn't know. And it says devoid. My margin says lacking knowledge. You see, we don't start out knowing the things we need to know. We acquire knowledge and so on as we live our lives. It's a part of what God wants us to do. Going on, we'll turn over to Proverbs 1. And it gives the purpose of Proverbs and it talks about this, this gaining of knowledge. Proverbs 1, the first chapter in Proverbs, we'll start in verse 22. Again, wisdom being personified here. Wisdom being talked about like it's a person, you see. Proverbs 1, verse 22. How long, you simple ones, again, those who are naive, unsophisticated, unlearned, you see, unexperienced, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? In other words, just being ignorant in certain ways. Uh, For scorners delight in their scorning. You know, sometimes uh, people, they just want to be cool. They don't really care about all the facts and figures and so on. They, they delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. They're happy with what they have and what they're doing, and they don't realize they need to grow and to change. And then drop down to verse 32. For the turning away of the simple the t- will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. You know, the mistakes of youth and inexperience can be costly. Mistakes made in, at a young age can carry you through your whole life and haunt you and in the sense of being a problem that you'd have to deal with. My friend and mentor, John O'Gwen, said, Sin casts a long shadow. And certainly we know that it does. So, Clearly, that's what it says here in Proverbs. For the turning of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, wisdom, you see, who grows in understanding, will dwell safely, and will be secure without fear of evil. So we see that mistakes can be costly. Now turn over a few pages to Proverbs 8, as we consider how the simple need to become wise, that the lack of expertise, the lack of experience in education can be a real problem and cause problems that take a lot to get over. Proverbs 8, verse 4. Again, wisdom personified here. Proverbs 8, verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. And you, O simple ones, again, those who are naive, understand prudence. And you fools... Be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. Not foolish things, empty things, hurtful and harmful things, but excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Then drop down to verse 10. Again, wisdom talking here. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather 
than choice gold. By the way, there's nothing wrong with silver and gold. It's the attitude, you see. If that is your goal, if you'll do anything, even breaking uh, God's laws and man's laws to get that silver and gold, you're in trouble. It's not the silver and gold. It's our approach to it. Receive instruction and not silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom, you see, understanding what is right, understanding God's plan, understanding what we should be doing with this human life. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Her, again here, being wisdom, being personified. So, brethren, as we read these scriptures, we see that God would have us learn early so that we don't have to pay the price and spend a lot of time and years overcoming things and mistakes that we make. So sometimes we have problems because of lack of education and experience and wisdom. Now, sometimes we have problems because of our carnal attitude. Imagine that. Our carnal attitude can get us into trouble as human beings. Turn over to Galatians 5. As we look at the source of problems that we as human beings have, out of the church and certainly sometimes in God's church. Galatians chapter 5. You know this well. Galatians 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. On the one hand, you have the physical. On the other hand, you have the spiritual. And they seem to be tugging at one another, you see. Our whole lives, we struggle against the human nature that we have. Mr. Armstrong taught us that. Human nature being vanity, jealousy, lust, and greed. And while we learn to control it, and how with God's help we can control it, it's always there. And so here we have this uh, this uh, tug of war going on. And then as we go on, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh, and certainly these works, you see, cause great problems. The works of the flesh are evident, pretty clear, when you look at it with some understanding, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Rather than look around you today, what was the headline in today's paper here in Charlotte? It was about a senator who didn't have this basic understanding, and now his career is ruined, his family is shattered, his reputation is shot. You see, it, it, it's, it's, the problems that come from this are just myriad, and yet our society doesn't understand that. And and all of these things, if the entertainment, movies, television, there are some good things out there, but you really have to look for it because most of it is built around adultery and fornication and lewdness. That's what we have. That's the world that we live in. And it causes great problems. And some of those problems splash over on us, you see. We have to be careful about that. Going on, it says the, uh, the works of the flesh, idolatry, sorcery, clearly, anything that comes between us and God. Uh, it could be materialism, uh, putting all of our emphasis on what we have to, we're trying to acquire. It could be um, certainly a, 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 a statuary or idols in a religious sense. Uh, any number of, anything that comes between us and God, of course, would be idolatry. Sorcery. Now, you might think that's not a big problem today, but when you realize the, the Wiccan uh, uh, philosophy, has been recognized. They even use that in military cemeteries. Now they can put the sign of the Wiccan on there. There are websites out there that, that get into all this Satan worship, that sort of thing, sorcery, casting spells. In this modern age, it's amazing. 
but it's out there. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, you know, outbursts of wrath. Put in road rage, okay? How many times do you watch the news or pick up the newspaper and somebody in a rage has assaulted someone or killed them over some, some trivial matter? Being cut off in traffic or, or some uh, seemingly insignificant thing and they have this outburst of wrath and some horrible thing results and a life is shattered. Maybe many lives are shattered. Selfish ambitions. Think politics. <laughs> if you look at what's going on in the current race, we need leaders. And yet most of what we see today are people vying with selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Heresies. Amazing. And yet there are many heresies about. Uh, the Internet is full of it. Some of them have the Church of God's name on them. And yet you'll find all sorts of weird things. People out on twigs and limbs. Uh, heresies. Bringing a gospel that you don't find in the Scriptures. Bringing a different gospel than what Paul taught and what Mr. Armstrong taught and what we try to teach. Going on here. Envy, murders, drunkenness. Uh, again, here in our own newspaper, we see every day the results of drunkenness and drunken driving and all of those things. Uh, going on here, it says, Of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes on and describes the wonderful fruits of the Spirit. But certainly, all of these things I've described here cause problems. There are results that come from this that are not pretty. There are results from these things that cause problems in people's lives. And it goes on and on. Turn over to 1 Timothy. As we talk about problems that result from a carnal attitude, from the fleshly way of approaching things. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 9, here he's also talking about the desire to be rich. Verse 8, he says, having food, clothing, and with these we shall be content. Going on, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. A word picture here, going down for the third time. You see, because they have the wrong goal, the wrong uh, approach to life. They're, they're, they're looking for happiness and prosperity in all the wrong places. Verse 10, for the love of money, notice not money. Money is simply a tool. It's simply a tool. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith. Yes, even an understanding of God's truth. And yet getting mind, the mind on wealth and pursuing that and that sort of thing have caused them to stray from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Many sorrows, brethren. Think about that. Which none of us want. None of us want sorrows. What we really want is happiness and peace and prosperity. What we really want is to do God's will. So many of the problems that we see that people struggle with come from a carnal attitude. And Scripture has a lot to say about that. Now, sometimes problems that we face are caused by Satan's influence. You know, it's not popular to think about, but there is a real Satan. There is a devil who would love to interfere with your life and with God's plan. Now, let's take a look over at Luke 22. Luke 22. 
Here we have a fascinating account. We have the story of Jesus Christ intervening for Peter. Because we see Satan would love to strike out at us. He wanted to strike out at Peter. Luke 22. Luke 22. And we'll look at verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now you ladies who cook know that when you sift, you really grind it through there. Satan wanted to grind him down. He wanted him. Verse 32, Jesus said, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So Jesus Christ intervened for Peter. And brethren, I hope that as you go to God each day in prayer, that you will ask God to intervene for you so that Satan will not have a shot at you, so that he will not sift you as we. For certainly God will do that. He will intervene for you. It says in James that if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. And if we resist Satan, he will flee from us. So that's what we have to do. Now, Christ intervened for Peter. Later on in Peter's life, he wrote something that I think uh, seems to be referring to that situation. Turn back to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. As we think about the problems caused by Satan's influence. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. I could be wrong, but we know that Satan wanted to get a hold of Peter. And here Peter wrote about Satan. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Peter said, be sober, meaning to be self-controlled, to, to uh, have a serious attitude in that regard. Be self-controlled, be vigilant, be watchful, you know, heads up. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter knew that Satan had wanted to devour him, and Christ intervened. Peter said, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So clearly, we know that we should resist Satan, that he does go about like a roaring lion. Now, you know the story of Job. I won't go back there. But God allowed Satan to, to hurt Job. God knew that Job was up to the task. He knew that he could stand it. Stand it. And yet it was an awful trial for him. And you can read that. And realize that Satan can cause problems for us. Sometimes God does allow that. Now sometimes, as human beings, we have problems that go back to childhood. Uh, because of maybe a dysfunctional family. Uh, abuse as a child. Uh, inherited traits. Like a fiery temper. Or emotional instability. That happens. You know, their families have traits. And as you look at your life, you look around, that might be the problem. Something that goes a long way back. Now, God said it would be that way. Turn back to Exodus 34. Exodus 34. Exodus 34, we'll begin in verse 6. Here the law is being given for the second time. If you read the verses that go before. We pick up the story in Exodus 34, verse 6. And the Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, 
the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So sometimes we see uh, problems that go on for generations, and it does take time to turn it around to solve those problems for human beings. Now, brethren, as people come out of the world, uh, we heard about this in the announcements about the number of responses and the growth that we're having and so on. People come out of this world, receive the Holy Spirit, and begin the Christian life. Some of these problems, some of these tendencies, and the results of some of these actions remain. They don't just all go away the day we're converted, the day we are baptized and come up out of that water, forgiven of our sins. The results certainly may be there. And as we think about this, brethren, will God solve all the problems in this life? Probably not. Probably not. We look back at the Apostle Paul. Paul had a serious problem, probably his eyes, and he pleaded with God to be relieved. Let's take a look. 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Certainly Paul was close to God, served Him in a valiant way, poured out his life in service like a sacrifice, as he said, and yet he had a problem. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. You see, Paul certainly uh, had great many revelations. He obviously was very close, did miracles, all of these things. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So Paul thought that you know, he, he perceived that he had this to keep him humble. Verse 8, concerning this thing... I pleaded with the Lord three times. The, the context here is that he, he cried out for God's intervention. He implored God. I pleaded with God three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And brethren, then he says something that really takes a converted attitude. Something that is just you just can't understand without having God's perspective. Look at verse 10. Paul said, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. Now I might say that's not normal. <laughs> you see, that's not what we would do, except Paul could see that God was working something out. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. And he's saying here that if we suffer for Christ's sake, then it will be worth it. For when I am weak, weak physically he means, then I am strong, strong spiritually. And certainly all of us would want to be strong spiritually. Brethren, we may have infirmities. We certainly believe in healing. We teach healing. We see that people are healed. But not everyone is. We may have infirmities. The Apostle Paul did. And so may we.
But brethren, many of our problems can be solved or certainly improved. And many problems can be prevented and avoided. And God, as I said earlier, has given us a tool, a method, a process, and many examples in plain instruction on how we might do that. And that tool, that instruction is to seek wise counsel. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy 1. Deuteronomy 1. Going a long way back. Here's a recap, a recounting of the law and what went on. And we see a wonderful plan outlined here. Deuteronomy 1, verse 12. Moses looked at all that he'd been given to do, at this great people, a people grown great that he was trying to lead. And in Deuteronomy 1, verse 12, he says, How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Now, things haven't changed much, brethren. (laughs) They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have our technology. But they had problems, burdens, and complaints. (laughs) Things don't change. Human nature hasn't changed. Basic needs of humans haven't changed. So what we read here applies to us today. The only thing that's changed is the technology. He goes on and says, Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads or leaders over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. A good idea, a good plan. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, not the simple that we read about earlier, you see, but wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren. Because he knew there would be conflict. There would be differences of opinion. There would be wrongs that needed to be righted, you see. And judge righteously between a man and his brother, or the stranger who is with him. Look at verse 17. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. And you shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, bring to me, and I will hear it. Brethren, that was a a wonderful plan, a great plan. And we use those principles even today. Let's turn back to Proverbs again as we think about this. Seeking wise counsel. Proverbs says a lot about it, and we'll look at some of those. Now, these are familiar scriptures to you, brethren, and sometimes things that are familiar lose their impact. You know, familiarity tends to breed contempt, as it were. Well, let's look at them anew, because it's really important that we grasp this as we think about the problems that we have and others have and how we can handle those and how we can either eliminate them or certainly improve them. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. A multitude of counselors. Now, why would you need a multitude? Well, I think if you think about it, not any one person can know everything. I love what Will Rogers said a generation ago. Everybody's ignorant. Just on different subjects. <laughs> you know, So we can't know everything. But if a multitude of counselors, then we can get the different pieces of information that we need. 
we certainly try to practice that here in the things that we do at headquarters with our staff here. I know that we try to do this uh, in, in the business side and certainly on the church and scriptural side to get a multitude of counsel. It's a godly principle that we should do. And then uh, not only do we uh, have to do that, we have to, we have to look. Turn back over to Proverbs 1, just back a few pages as we try to glean these good things from Proverbs. I hope as you do your Bible study that you spend a lot of time in Proverbs because you find answers to physical problems and certainly spiritual principles that serve you well every day. Proverbs 1, verse 5. A wise man, and I'll be politically correct here and say a wise person, okay? A wise person will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding, a person of understanding will attain, and my margin says acquire, wise counsel. Uh, you have to go looking for it. It probably won't knock on your door and say, I'm here to solve your problems. You have to seek that. You have to acquire it. You have to um, attain wise counsel. It's something that it requires effort on our parts. We have to use our minds. We have to put into practice the things that God has revealed to us. Now, like any tool, this tool of wise counsel, it's of no value if it's not used. It must be sought and it must be used if it's going to do us any good. Turn over to Proverbs 12. Another wise saying, Solomon had this God-given wisdom and God gave it to him and it seems that he used that until his old age and then he may have turned away. But Proverbs 12, verse 15 it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Now, heed, that's probably not a word that you use in your coffee break every day. You know, what it means is to act on it. It means to put into action. So it's, that's what we're, we're being told here. The way of the fool is right, but he who acts on counsel is wise. <laughs> You can get good advice, but if you don't put it into practice, it won't do you any good. That's so basic, brethren, but how often do we know what to do but not put it into practice? It's very important. Put things into action. Turn over a few pages to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, and we'll look at verse 6. Here it's talking about wise counsel in a way that you might not think it applies to you. But let's take a look. Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. Now, we heard a very interesting historical account in the sermonette today about war. And we learned lessons from that. But you may think, well, we don't do war, so this doesn't apply. Well, think about this, brethren. You certainly have life's battles. You have your battles that you fight in your life. And I think this certainly can apply in, in that way as well. You will wage your own war, your own battle, and in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. You know, we do have things. Maybe you have a habit that you fight. Maybe you have attitudes that you have to struggle with. Maybe not only your attitude, but the attitudes of others that you have to struggle with. It's a battle. It's a war in that sense. And certainly... It's something that we all have to do. Paul wrote Timothy uh, when he was mentoring him about the good fight of faith. Be a good soldier. 
So there are battles that we fight. And certainly having wise counsel helps us to fight those personal battles that we need. Now it says here in a multitude of counselors. Now clearly uh, we need different help as I mentioned a moment ago because no one knows it all. But there is help out there and we can get it. As we think about counsel... There are a couple of scriptures that really put it into context or perspective for me. Turn over to Proverbs 27 as we think about this. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Proverbs 27, verse 9. It says, Ointment and perfume delight the heart. Ointment, you know, a lubricant makes things, you know, your hands are chapped or a little ointment makes things smooth, you see, lubricates. And perfume, uh, delight the heart, hopefully a, a delightful fragrance would be nice. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Hearty counsel. Now this could be strong. Sometimes you need to hear it in plain language. You know, sometimes you just have to shuck it down to the cob, as we say in Arkansas. You know, and be plain spoken. Hearty counsel. Uh, genuine, sincere Heartfelt. And that's what we need. Hearty counsel. Sometimes we have that around the office here. We, you know, we speak plainly and try to get things done and understand what needs to be done. Look up at verse 6, Proverbs 27, 6, up a few verses. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes a friend will tell you what no one else will tell you. You know, we make jokes about little things like if your friend offers you a breath mint, take it. You know, but but it, it applies even more importantly on really important things. A friend will come to you and tell you something that may be very, it may hurt just like a blow, like a, you know, shot across the bow. And yet it's something you need to hear. And only a friend will tell you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your enemy will let you go down. He won't tell you what you need to hear. And he'll laugh at your calamity. So clearly, brethren, we want, hearty counsel and we want counsel that will help us to know what we need to do now brethren in what kinds of situations should you seek counsel you know when 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 should you go looking for answers and for people who might be able to help you in your situation well i know the people around the office get tired of hearing me say this but one of my maxims is a problems never get better till you deal with them they just don't get better you have to deal with them and so when you have a problem, that's the time to seek counsel. Now, one area would be in business, financial, or career matters. You know, if you're going to make a career change, if you're uh, taking a new job, or maybe you can't decide what you want to do, uh, you certainly might want to get counseling. Or if you have a financial problem, if you're sinking in debt, <laughs> if you're not able to live within your means. I mean, if you have problems and you're not able to cope with that, that's the time, you see, to seek wise counsel. Now, you have to decide what you need. You know, when you need a lawyer, nothing else will do, right? <laughs> That's what you need, somebody that can give you the advice that you need in this litigious society that we're in. That's very complicated. What should be easy isn't, and you may need legal advice. And you'll have to decide what kind. You need a will drawn up or a trust, maybe a simple uh, a transaction of family law, someone who practices that way. If if you have a situation where you're being sued for some negligence on your part, you may need a good defense attorney. 
If you've got a good case and you need to sue on someone for damages, you may need a good plaintiff's lawyer. The point is there are different specialties, and you should decide what you need. But if you need a lawyer, uh, th that's the only thing that will do. You may need an accountant in a financial matter. Some people try to do all of their own uh, matters themselves. Taxes are very complicated today. Uh, and if you have a simple situation and you're comfortable with it, that's fine. That's a personal decision. But I know many people, not a few, get in trouble with taxes because they don't seek advice. If you need an accountant, then certainly uh, you should seek one and get one that knows what they're doing, something on a routine basis or maybe a tax specialist. But if you need that sort of help, we should ask for that. You may need a financial planner. You may be very good at making money, but not very good at handling money, you see. And you may say, well, I don't have any money, so I don't need a planner. Well, as I brought out in our meeting this week, uh, if you don't have a plan, you probably never will have any money. So the point is that you, you may need a financial planner, and, and it's something that would be very, very helpful to you. Uh, you should, in all of these situations, find a leading person in the field that you're interested in and ask the right questions. You see, we don't have to know everything if we know people who do know those things and, and these things. So uh, in my role, I certainly often deal with people who have run into difficulty in these areas. And so let me encourage you, if you have any of those things, to, to seek a wise counsel from those experts. But let's look at something that's a little more close to home as what we're doing here as a congregation. Uh, an area that you may need counseling in certainly is baptismal counseling. You know, sometimes people grow up in the church or maybe they come into the church and they attend and they study and they, they go through the motions and they're with the program, but they just don't get around to that. For some reason, maybe they don't think I'm worthy or, or they have some questions that they haven't asked. And so time goes on. But certainly if, if you're attending and you're interested and, and you haven't uh, approached that subject, then I think maybe you should. I would recommend that you ask for baptismal counseling. And minister can then help you through that situation, answer questions that you might have, uh, set you, uh, maybe put to rest some fears that you have, and show you some things that you haven't uh, dealt with, help you to count the cost, help you to get to the point where you need to be. It's a very important decision. And so sometimes people are kind of stuck on going nowhere because they simply haven't asked for counseling. We have a number of ministers here, and we'd certainly be happy to visit with anyone. We don't push that, certainly, but if you're interested, we're interested, and we would be happy to help you with baptismal counseling. It's something that you should seek if you are in that mode in your life. Another area, marriage counseling. Now, uh, you found someone you're interested in. Great. Great. Well, don't wait till you've bought a ring, set a date, and sent out the invitations and then come say, hey, we'd like to counsel. What's there to talk about? You've made up your mind. <laughs> you see, the point is, it's such a serious and wonderful situation that you should get some counseling as you go along. Um, there's, there's an old country song that says, we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. You know, and that happens a lot. And then there's that other old country song that says, there's nothing colder than the ashes after the fire goes out. So it's important, brethren, it's important if you're considering marriage that you seek counsel. Marrying well and being prepared emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially is critical to having a happy life. 
When marriage is good, it's great. And when it's bad, it's awful. So let me encourage you. If you're considering marriage, certainly, then as young people or middle-aged people, whoever you are, if you're thinking about marriage, it's good to have someone who can be objective, who may see things that you overlook in your infatuation and your emotion at the time to help you and give some guidance in that time. It's scriptural, and we certainly would like to do that. Now, parents, encourage your children or your grandchildren to get counseling along those lines. You may not be the best to do it because you're too close to the situation. Let's look at another area. Marital counseling. Now, we talked about marriage counseling, but now this is for those who are married. Now, this is tough. This is tough because folks don't want to talk about their problems. They just don't want to open up and talk about their problem. But it's critical to do so if you're not making progress in solving it. If you're going through life unhappy, if there are intractable problems that you're not able to deal with, you see, then wise counsel may help. Any problem in the relationship from an emotional to physical or spiritual, you see, can respond to counseling. My advice, brethren, is deal with it if you value the quality of your life. Don't just drag your problems around. Remember, they never get better until you deal with them. So if you have that situation, I urge you to seek counseling. Another area, child rearing. You know, brethren, we get our greatest happiness and we get our greatest pain from our children. I've experienced that and I know that many of you have as well. Now, sometimes... As parents, uh, it's very difficult for us to be objective. You know, we see our children in a certain light, and we may be blind to their faults, or we may see only their faults and not their good points. It's harder for us as parents to be objective. So, uh, And you may have a situation where the child or the children are obstinate. Imagine that. You know, they're not little yellow pencils. They have to be dealt with differently. And maybe you're having difficulty with that. Well, Brethren, there are solutions, and maybe someone who's had experience, someone who uh, is in a position to uh, know what you do not know or to have a different perspective can help you in that. So certainly, I would say if you have child-rearing problems, don't feel uh, uh, reluctant, but, but look into counseling. And if someone comes to you and says, you have a problem, remember that faithful blows of a friend? <laughs> Maybe you've overlooked it. Don't be offended. Ask yourself, do I? And then seek the counseling. Because certainly uh, you want your children to to grow up to be well-balanced and responsible citizens. And sometimes we we need help with that. And then, of course, brethren, there are counseling in the area of spiritual problems. Spiritual problems that impact our lives. Sins that need to be dealt with. You know, we're all sinners and we're all different. What may be a problem for me may not be a problem for you. And what's a problem for your brother or sister might not be a problem problem for you. But there may be sins that need to be dealt with. And counseling could certainly help in that area. Questions about doctrine, uh, particularly disagreements. I mentioned earlier, and I'd like to mention again, that there's a huge amount of misinformation out on the Internet. All kinds of churches, all kinds of ministries, uh, some that have come out of the church of God and they have some really weird ideas. And people get into that and they get disoriented. They get distracted 
they think they've found new truth. I'd like to let you know there's not any new truth. The truth is old. The truth is ancient. There might be some new understanding, and certainly we pray for that and look for that. But God's truth has been here for a long time. And when people come up with something that uh, is just completely off the wall and, and, and build their whole faith around that, it's a problem. So if you have questions about doctrine or some of that, please uh, seek wise counsel. In the area of anger or frustration between members, imagine that. <laughs> you know, Moses dealt with that. Uh, I'm sure that the apostles dealt with that. And we deal with that today. We're not, uh, you know, we're not all alike. Sometimes the sparks fly. Somebody says something that others take offense at. And you have members that square off and want to duke it out. You know, it's not a Christian virtue. We can't go hitting on each other. So you might need someone to referee. Someone to, uh, uh, in the spiritual sense, of course. <laughs> you know, one count. <laughs> On nine, you get up. <clears throat> anyway, the, the point is anger and frustration. Uh, sometimes we lose our objectivity. And sometimes we need someone who has a cool head, who can look at the facts, who can ask the right questions, who knows God's Word, who knows the situation, who can give people the things that they need to help them so that we don't have little things that smolder and cause difficulties and, and infect the congregation with people choosing up sides. We have this group, we have that group, we have the other group. And they're not talking and they're not fellowshipping because they have these disagreements. Wise counseling, you see, can head that off. And we hope that it will. Anger or bitterness against a minister. Could that happen? Sadly, it does. And when that happens, someone shouldn't just carry that smoldering hatred or anger or bitterness around, but they should get counseling about that. It could be with a minister or an elder or a deacon or anyone in the church. But when that happens, brethren, remember the tool. Remember what God's Word says and seek wise counsel. Now, brethren, all of these things lend themselves to counseling. And these kinds of situations can be improved. Now, what to do? What to do? The first thing is, and you heard this the first time you ever entered a Church of God congregation, study your Bible. God has instruction for us. Know what God says. Turn back to Isaiah 58. It's so basic, but it's so important. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 11. Isaiah 58, verse 11. Isaiah wrote long ago, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. We all want strong bones. You shall be like a watered garden, a beautiful sight, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Brethren, it says here, God will guide you. How does He guide you? How does He talk to you? When you study His Word. And you find the answers to your problems. And that's what we'll, you need to do. And I know that you do study each day. But if you have a problem, focus your Bible study in that area and ask, what would God have me do with this problem? How do I handle it? Now, turn over uh, a few pages to Isaiah, back a few pages to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. 
Isaiah 28, verse 29. Isaiah 28, verse 29. You can read the whole chapter. It's excellent, but we'll read this last verse. Isaiah 28, verse 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Brethren, what kind of guidance do we need? We don't need shoddy guidance, mediocre guidance. We need excellent guidance. And this is where we find it. Wonderful in counsel. You know, as you read Isaiah 11, I won't turn there. We always read it during the feast when it shows that the Holy Spirit guided Christ. And one of His names is Counselor, you see. And it's the same Spirit that guides Him will certainly guide you. So, brethren, study the Bible and know what God's Word says on these subjects. Now, also, brethren, read the books. Read the books. There are many very good self-help books that are available today. There's a lot of knowledge out there. Use the library. These books can be expensive, but they're available to you in the library. Paperback books and so on do not cost a lot. Now, you may say, well... I don't have time for all that. I just don't have time. Well, brethren, if you don't have time to study and look into those books, then you must have time for the problem. Because you're going to have it until you get rid of it. Remember, the problems never get better until you do. Now, in addition to reading the books, find the expert. For some things, you'll need a pro. For some things, you need somebody other than a minister. As ministers, we don't practice law. And we don't practice medicine, even though we get asked legal and medical questions all the time. (laughs) But we try to be very careful not to practice law and not to practice medical. Our job is to help you with the spiritual things and what comes from God's Word. And when you need a physician and when you need an attorney, that's what you should do. Now, beware, brethren, everybody is a doctor. Have you noticed that? No matter what problem you have, This person can tell you what to do, and this person can tell you what to do, and that person can tell you what to do. Everybody is a doctor. Um, I sometimes ask, where did they go to school, and what is their degree? You know, Because most of the time, these are anecdotal, and it may work for them, but you have to consider the source. And you certainly want to get somebody that's a pro in the field to give you good advice. Otherwise, you may get advice um, that's worth what you paid for it, which is nothing. Now, beyond that, brethren, the ministry is available to visit with you on the problems that you have involving personal relationships, family matters, spiritual matters. And as human beings, we have those things. Uh, And the things that you do discuss with the ministry will be kept strictly confidential. We, We certainly take that very seriously, that your problem is not something that will be noised about or disclosed. It is strictly confidential. Now, brethren, do we as a ministry, do I have all the answers? No. No, sadly, we do not have all the answers. But we do have some. And we have a depth of experience from which we can draw with longtime ministers and evangelists who have many, many, many years in the field, many years of studying God's Word and teaching it, and many years of dealing with problems Uh, that human beings have in and out of the church. So we don't have all the answers, but we can help. Now, brethren, as we think about these things, let's, let's quickly look at three keys to successful counseling this afternoon. And these are very basic. 
And as we go over these things, you might say, wow, I can't believe Crockett's going over something so basic. Well, brethren, I've observed over time that those who do the basics well, everything else seems to fall into place. It's when we forget the basics. It's when we get away from the rudiments. When we don't do the basic things well that we get into trouble. So, bear with me. Let's go over the basics. The first thing in successful counseling is to listen. To listen. Turn over to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Good communication is the key. And the counselor, the one who's giving the counseling, and those seeking must listen to each other. Very important. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Long ago it was written, Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. We, we have to listen, and it's an active sort of thing. We can't half listen. We have to pay close attention. You see, we have to listen without preconceived notions or, or being accusative or defensive. If you're uh, preparing your rebuttal while the other person's talking, you're not listening. You have to listen and then be sure that you heard what they said. And then, and then you have your chance to talk. I read a book many years ago called Are You Listening? And it talked about the listening as a skill. And I hadn't thought about it in that way. And it pointed out in this book that we all, the things we hear, that we filter through our own lives, our own experiences, our own prejudices, those sorts of things. Whatever we hear, we filter it, you see. And so I would like to say, when you're in a counseling situation, keep your filters open. You know, don't filter it. Just listen for what the person is saying and put it into practice. Back in Mark 4, I won't turn there. I'll just refer to it. In Mark 4, verse 3, and verse 9, and verse 23, Jesus said, Those that have ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, pay attention. Listen up. You see, we have to have ears to hear. A couple of places in Proverbs, it says, Incline thine ear. My father-in-law is very hard of hearing. He flew aircraft for 30 years. And when I talk to him, he'll turn his good ear to me. He inclines his ear. He wants to hear. It's a visual picture of what it's talking about here. So, brethren... In counseling, we as counselors and those who are being counseled should listen. It's very important. The second basic thing we need to do is to respond. We need to respond. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians 8 and verse 10. Now, Paul is writing to Corinth here and he's giving them advice. It's the same thing we're talking about here. Advice and counsel. Second Corinthians 8 verse 10. He wrote, And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. So he's saying, follow through and do what you said. Now look at verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. So 
he was giving advice here, and he said, if you have a willing mind, and that's what this point's about, brethren, having a willing mind when you enter a counseling situation, answering questions openly and truthfully, and lay all the facts out for consideration. You know, sometimes we get the real answer to a question about three questions deep. <laughs> you ask the first question, well, that's part of it. And then a little more, and that's part of it. And finally, you get about three or four layers down and you get to the real heart of the matter. If counseling is to be productive, if it's to solve the problem, we have to respond and get uh, beyond the barriers if we're going to have anything. Uh, being responsive uh, brings down the barriers and builds the relationship. It's very important, brethren, that we do that for certain. Now, the third thing, the third thing as we talk about counseling after listening and responding is to apply. To apply. Again, so basic. But once the situation or problem is evaluated and analyzed, once a course of action is determined, putting the recommendations into practice is critical. I mean, if you don't do that, it's all been a waste of time. Now, brethren, adjustments to life and attitude may be in order. We are called to a life of change. And when the source of the problem and, and the counseling is done, changes may be uh, an attitude and, and adjustments to life may have to happen. Do it. Action is required if any good is going to come of it. Certainly, uh, brethren, as we, as we get counsel, we see that that is the case. Brethren, as God's people, let's use the tools that we've been given to deal with the problems that come our way. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 2 for my last scripture. Some of you thought I would never get there. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, wonderful instruction here that seems to be a fitting conclusion to what we've been talking about this afternoon. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Brethren, to be successful physically and especially spiritually, seek and follow wise counsel. 